the figure. Look at the turn. Oh, that was brilliant, Luke Bruce. Gee, it's a good kick. It is a great kick. It's one for the ages. O'Brien, some candy, and then a goal. Lewis runs into the open goal. Thank you very much. The Hawks are back in town. Well, listeners, there's been a fair bit of Hawthorne news floating about, so the time is right to check in and recap the lot before we shift our focus to the draft. So, what's on the agenda this episode? Well, we've got the club's second crack at a succession plan, another Irish signing, an AFLW update, plus plenty of your listener questions. Welcome to the Hawk Talk podcast for this November check-in. My name is Nick Mason, and tis, it's just wonderful to be back recording in person again, isn't it? Yeah, lots of developments off-field, none bigger than uh, poor Finn McGuinness. Yeah, that's kind of the news of the day when we're recording. Uh, Finn McGuinness, the unlucky one, I think the first player in about 18 months to test positive for COVID. The club issued the following statement. Hawthorne Football Club can confirm today that Finn McGuinness has tested positive to COVID-19. All close contacts of the positive case are currently awaiting results from tests and are isolating. So... Everyone's had at least one vax at Hawthorne. That's the knowledge we have, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Fox Footy actually published an article just before we hit record, basically giving a a competition-wide update on where every club's at. And the statement that they got from Hawthorne is, we will have everyone fully vaxxed before the deadline. Right. So on top of everything... Well done, Hawthorne. Doing the right thing. Uh, McGuinness attended the club's Waverley Park facility on Monday, but did not have any symptoms until Tuesday morning. Hawthorne Chief Executive Officer Justin Reeve said McGuinness woke up with symptoms, went immediately to get tested and isolated until receiving the result. Now that, Tiz, is a team player. Yeah, but you've got to ask yourself, how much longer are these rules going to be enacted? You know, because if this happens during the season next year, as fans, we're... um not going to be watching him play. Well, I wonder how long this is going to be a story. Right. And, and poor Finn McGuinness, I know he's a, he's a footballer. I know he has a public profile and everything, but I mean, how many... Oh, you're saying he doesn't need his name out there with this? Well, I just think it's unfortunate. How many new cases were there today? Over a thousand. Uh, yeah, okay. And he, and he, he cops the entire He's spotlight. the one on the front page, yeah. Again, I know he's in the public eye. He's a footballer, but I just... A young lad, he doesn't deserve that. But here we are. He's in quarantine now. But he's uh, getting the praise he deserves in the way he's handled it. And Oh, yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. Oh, complete professional about it. He's done the right thing by himself, by the club. Uh, when I say he's a team player, not just for Hawthorne, for all of us. Mm. This is exactly how you should be handling this stuff. He's in quarantine, doing the right thing as per the AFL and uh, the government's protocols. And uh, yeah, thankfully all Hawthorne players are either fully vaxxed or they're halfway there and uh, they'll get their second dose in the coming days. So, And you get the best of medical care. So good luck, Finn. Yeah, all and, the best. And, uh, you know, I hope you can find some ways to entertain yourself over the journey. Which will be 14 days for him because he's positive. Now, from one Finn to another, this is the other news that we had. thought we'd start off with a, a double dose of Finn. Or is it Fian? I don't know. There's some conjecture about this. <laughs> well, the, well, last podcast, I believe, we had both settled upon Finn. Right. And I'd heard that from numerous sources. And then, watching highlights of 
Finn O'Hara. Don't we just don't we just Australianize his name anyway? Isn't that how that works? Oh, we, we just basically ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I guess we do. That, that's something that we like to do here in Australia. We take it for our own. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good name. I'm going to call you Bluey. <laughs> That's right. I see you play Knifey Spoonie before. <laughs> that kind of thing from The Simpsons back in the day. Uh, HawthorneFC.com.au reports, Hawthorne has added another Irish recruit to its list with the signing of Finn O'Hara. That's how it's pronounced in the highlights packages I watched. So there's a slight subtle distinction apparently. But anyway, he's signed on as an international Category B rookie hailing from Westmeath County in Ireland. You came to have a go at the accent? No. Neither. O'Hara arrives on a two-year deal to become the third Irishman to be listed with the Hawks. What are your thoughts, Tiz? I thought he had a tremendously good voice. Doesn't he sound like way beyond his His 19? Yeah, Yeah. He's he's only 19 (laughs) years old, and he just sounds super serious and professional and just really switched on. It's very unlike his age. Yeah, but uh, what is like his age is his speed and agility and basic enthusiasm. Now, if you're familiar with this name, Hawks fans, there's good reason for that because the club's invested plenty of time into O'Hara already. They've been scouting him as a potential recruit for a few years and uh, he actually visited the club at the start of last year. Back in Ireland, pretty impressive resume. He's got the rugby background, the Gaelic football background. He's demonstrated some impressive traits like you say it is. He's got that elite speed and endurance and sharp disposal. He can use the footy on both sides. Are you liking the sound of this guy? Both sides sounds very good because I was thinking, you know, Connor Nash 2.0, but both sides, wow. That's a sort of a backhander, that one, isn't it? Not from me. <laughs> uh, look, at, at the risk of stooping to another Simpsons reference oh, in, no. in within about two minutes, uh, he's got a bit of the Nelson Muntz about him. What does that mean? Well, there's an episode of The Simpsons where That's basically. The reason he's called Matt Groaning, but anyway. Groaning, I think you'll find. <laughs> See, some words oh. don't sound as they're written down, tis. Anyway, episode of The Simpsons, peewee football, Nelson Muntz is clearly bigger than all the other kids and basically single-handedly runs the length of the field, ignores everyone else. Some of that was in some of Finn's highlights, to be honest. (laughs) It's like, this guy cannot be stopped. Once he gets on a roll, he'll just run and run and run all day and his disposal's great as well. Excellent. So very exciting. He's got outside runner written all over him, I reckon. So uh, look, do check out his highlights. I think you'll feel like if you're anything like me, you'll watch these clips and you're like, I reckon this is got this is a pretty good idea. If this comes off, there is definitely a spot, obviously as Hawthorne's recognised, on the list for this type of player. And if he hits his potential, it's going to be really good. It's exciting, isn't it? That's yep. uh, that's the first addition to the list. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I'm excited for him. He would have been frustrated not being able to get out here, and uh, it'd be good fun to watch him. I don't think we can have too many expectations now because it's a hell of a big difference coming from Ireland to Hawthorne and we've seen other players struggle to make it. Well, when they're played out of position, certainly. If they're plugged into the midfield, maybe that's where they flourish. Oh, you're learning. (laughs) I'm on board now, man. (laughs) Connor Nash, best 22 round one next year. He wasn't in your 22. He wasn't in my 22. (laughs) I've been rumbled, listeners. (laughs) He wasn't. Anyway, look, we've had had a couple of stories. Uh, Two fins. And uh, a third fin, by the look of it, in the French sense. Looks like Jeff Kennett is going to be finishing up a little sooner than anyone anticipated. Bit of a surprise. Do you mean fin, which I think you'll find it is in French, Nick? All right, one all. Fair enough. (laughs) 
Yeah, so... Uh, some, also- some words don't sound as they look, Tiz. That's going to be the takeaway lesson for this episode of the Hawk Talk Podcast. We're entertaining and educational. Terrible. Now, uh, so Kenneth's had a succession plan forced upon him by uh, Hawks for Change and uh, was quite entertaining with Cornsy or Corny or Corn or whatever he tried to call him on SEN. Jeez, uh, he knows how to talk down Hawthorne Kane, doesn't he? Oh, that's his bread and butter. Not just Hawthorne. He's probably the most negative commentator out there. Does he even like football? <laughs> Lost sight of that, maybe. Anyway, um, it was pleasing to hear uh, Kenneth's now planning his succession and his transition and all that kind of stuff. And Yeah, there's going to be a nominations committee now made up of board and non-board members. It's going to be finalised after this coming AGM. And they're going to be tasked with recommending a successor by June 30 next year. Fantastic. That's what we needed. Another committee, Nick. I think you'll agree. Um... Will this one dare to be different? <laughs> Certainly different from that one. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Can't escape. It's a spectre over the club. Uh, Kenneth declared, now is the right time to plan my succession and transition in an orderly way. We are starting that process now, now you, you bring up the uh, interview with Corns, or Corn, as it were. Uh, Kenneth then refused to rule out actually staying in the role until his full term was up, until the end of 2023. As you might expect, the vocal supporter group Hawks for Change had a bit to say about that. Uh, we at Hawks for Change have undertakings that 30th of June 2022 is the final date for the nominations committee to report, and the board will promptly act on that recommendation. It is our expectation that Jeff Kennett and the board will honour those expectations. Not stuffing around, Tiz. Laying down the law, look at them go. Yeah, they're very expectant. Now, former Australian superboss Ian Silk is one of the favourites to be appointed as Kenneth's successor. Meanwhile, we've got current board members Owen Wilson, wow, and Katie Hudson, uh, also said to be interested in taking the reins. <laughs> Owen Wilson, wow. Yeah, that's what he says. Okay. So you attended the uh, online Zoom meeting Tuesday evening for Hawks for Change, and you have copious notes as to what occurred? I I, I did. This comes with the territory of uh, working on the side as a captioner, just smashing away at the keyboard. I'm able to take some notes in real time pretty well by this stage. And they had a bit of glitterati on on too, didn't they? They had Swabby, they had Gowers. Yeah, well, Gowers... What else have they got on board? Gowers was expected... you know, that they, they, Schwab um, has thrown his support behind Gowers in recent times. Ian Silk attended this one. Um, I think the mood was uh, a bit more restrained than I expected. I thought it might be a bit jovial and up and about. The Hawks for Change seemingly have gotten what they wanted. What did they have to say? Well, I think the campaign trail continues, which is interesting in itself because, again, they've kind of... Well, well what's happened is they, they put up Gowers and Silk against... The anointed Simon Taylor and... And Tim Shearer. Right. Yeah. And they've agreed to... Well, Andy Gowers has agreed to step out of the way. Yeah, Andy Gowers is with, and withdrawn. Now, we're, now yeah. we're left with three. Yeah. And, and, and a couple of others. Yes, that's right. And, and Gowers is expected to join this nominations committee that we mentioned before. But it's interesting that, you know, we're, we're in a position that I didn't quite anticipate. I don't know if anyone from the campaign did that Jeff would back down and relinquish some control um, well, that, that easily. You don't need a fracturing of the club. I think there's a lot no, that, of... That's, it's a pleasant surprise. That's I think I there's mean. a lot of disjoint between the past players and the club at the moment, and I think that's part of this movement, don't you? I think that's where they get a lot of their stimulus. Yeah, certainly. Um, 
you know Morrissey being one of the key figures and obviously Gowers have mentioned but but they're, yeah. they're trying to steer away from it being a referendum on Jeff aren't they yeah, yeah but let's not kid ourselves I mean but they're not saying it right well they're not saying it but I mean it's just wink and nod and basically yeah, yeah. let's like I said let's not kid ourselves it is kind of about Jeff and they've achieved what they wanted to achieve in part. Right. They, they still want, you know, they're still throwing their support behind Ian Silk and they certainly would have if Gowers was still contending for the board. But if they enable us as fans mm-hmm. to have a more democratic control over the club, mm-hmm. uh, this is all to the good, right? Because even if at least they're freeing it up for us, they're making it more transparent. Effectively, yes. That That is arguably the key pillar of this entire campaign is we, the members, are, are stakeholders. We're sick of being ignored. We want a voice. We want some say over the direction of, of the club. Uh, you know, Gower's explained as much, and he actually pointed to uh, an article some months ago by James Morrissey who inspired Gower's to reach out and... You know, he, he got in touch with Morrissey and commended him for writing such a gutsy piece. It inspired him to, you know, weigh up the options. He got he, he found out about Hawks for Change, and I thought this is one quote that was interesting from from the meeting. Gowers revealed, "I don't know if I would have had the confidence to put my hand up on my own if it weren't for Hawks for Change. This has been a symbiotic relationship." Right. Well, he needed a confidence boost, but also he needed to know that he was representing people, I suppose. But he's already been on the board, so it does sound a little bit strange. Yeah, just uh, a surprising... Think his interconnectedness would be fine. Yeah, just a surprising lack of self-belief. I'm actually a little bit... strange. I'm actually a little bit disappointed. I can't vote for Andy. He's one of my favourites. I know that, yeah. You've got on record as saying that. Uh, Gowers said it... And and this is interesting. Gowers said it would be a bad result if Jeff resigned effective immediately because that isn't going to be the best thing for the club either. He advocates for a considered, suitable, appropriate, dignified process. I think I got all of them there. Did he say custodian? Was custodian even I, I, mentioned the I whole... I don't think custodian oh was Oh, my goodness. That was That's part of the whole spiel at <laughs> Hawthorne. Custodian. <laughs> Kenneth, Clarko, at least they agreed on that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, anyway, they want to give the next person enough time to actually deliver on a proper handover. Right. So, look... Make no bones about it. There is some anti-Jeff sentiment, but not to the extent that they want to blow up the club and get rid of him. Obviously, I know you can tell they all love Hawthorne. Well, exactly. Well, and that that comes across as well. This is genuine. It's sincere, uh, die-hard fandom. So let's see what Silk had to. Well, Shelby actually interviewed Ian Silk um, throughout the meeting, and Silk spoke very passionately on his love for Hawthorne's mantle as the family club. And he kind of used that as a platform to discuss divesting from pokies as well, which is reported in the media today. He said, the club shouldn't be involved in pokies. It is right now, and it's an important source of revenue, so we can't turn it off immediately. Um, well, that's just basic responsible management. We all know that. Effectively, it's it's kind of just been the status quo with Hawthorne for a while. I, you know, I remember we attended an AGM and... You know, Kennett in defence of how the club was, was. That would have been 2018, somewhere I think around so, there. Yeah, yeah. The issue it's of. like we want to get away from it, yeah. but it is integral to our finances. And also, if we want to build a Kennedy Centre, it just makes it so much harder if we divest. And then, you know, the pandemic comes along and obviously everything gets that much harder. And suddenly that revenue is actually really, really important. Um, so they're in a bit of a. Well, I mean, there's, there's very little revenue out of it with the pandemic, but. Uh, what you what you would see now is to sell it off now would be very low. Yeah, but but in terms of like financial 
stability and security. I know, okay. I know going during, forward, yeah. yes, during that time, we're not getting a great amount of income because yep. no one's outplaying them. But, I mean, imagine if in 2018 mm-hmm. you fobbed them off and now you're scrambling for an alter- alternative source of revenue. You don't have it in the pandemic hits. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could always go into, uh, you know, a Hawthorne poker app. Have we thought about that? You know, <laughs> Is that going to be an app with uh, with ads? I don't know. We, we could get on the game, not the odds. We could get onto AFL House and and see if Crown Bet can give us a, a couple of pointers. <laughs> or, or Bet Plus or whatever the hell it is, or whichever one. It's just it so is hard to keep track this is. month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Silk also said, if we're to maximise the chances of success of the club and its teams, we want to harness as many elements of the Hawthorne family as we can. The board should know that the key stakeholders are the members of this club, and it would be in the best interest of the club to have an ongoing mechanism to link the decision making of the club to the grassroots support of the club. Well, this is a problem right across the AFL. Grassroots support is dwindling. Yep. and He pointed that out as well. It's, it's not very common. Well, well, in terms of him... Uh, well, he had a crack at AFL House. I like no, him. No, no, no. <laughs> no. He wasn't having a crack at AFL House. But he identified that this, this connection between clubs and their supporters is a little more fractured than perhaps it ought to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they haven't... You know, even with the pandemic, it's it's sort of strained relationships there financially and in the way that we didn't receive a lot of the stuff that we thought we'd receive mm-hmm. from the transaction. So, um, you know, that's got to be rebuilt, that trust. And also, you know, when was the last time you attended a family day, Nick, that went ahead? Well, exactly right. I think the, the last one I can remember was about over 40 degrees. <laughs> and we've missed out on uh, retirement events and stuff like that. Yeah. And Hawthorne yeah. never seemed to make any sort of... They never seem to go outside of their uh, comfort zone to really look after the fans and, and you know the family club thing. That is that something that is evocative for you or? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. It was particularly important to me um, with the, the the debacle of Clarko's exit. Um, I it sounds overly sentimental, but you know, you don't treat family that way. Clarko is such a father figure in that club and, and it is just... You well, look, you don't treat a servant that way, no. No, I just, I just thought it was so out of whack from what I understood this club's values to be. <laughs> I, I, I can see what they were trying to do, but maybe they just shouldn't have tried. I don't know. As well, much as I love Sammy in the role, I'm so excited for next year. We've been through this and, and exactly. basically every part of, every member of that decision was at fault. Yeah, oh, it was a comprehensive debacle, that's, yep. that's what I'm saying. And um, then they tried to sort of fill in the cracks and it didn't work. And now Jeff himself is involved in the latest succession plan. So uh, hopefully this one will run a bit smoother. It certainly seems to. It's, it's not ugly, which is good to see. This could have been a real war. It could be. Like, there's still fractures from 96 in the club. Mm. Um, they're still hanging around. They're not really getting any better, um, you know, these, these are important things. I know people are probably getting bored with this now, but in terms of how we look in 10 years, off-field mm. is what's going to be governing what's happening on-field in 10 years. Really, no one should be bored with this. This is such a good opportunity to actually use your voice properly. Um, it's one that we haven't had, and it's, you know, that that is one of the key things that I'm personally with when it comes to Hawks for Change. Advocating for a democratic process that simply hasn't hasn't been in place for a long time, uh, I think that's absolutely worthwhile. And let's face it, Jeff has come to the table to protect Tim Shearer, hasn't he, who sees Integral as getting the Kennedy Centre together. 
effectively yeah he's a key figure in trying to get that done um and yeah he's thrown his full weight behind there i mean now that gowers is out of the the race for the board you could have a scenario where both tim shearer and ian silk are are the two successful nominees which simon taylor gets kicked in the teeth by the club again (laughs) well simon taylor in in jeff's letter to members you'll notice that you know jeff put his full support behind Tim as no mention of Simon Taylor. I was like, oh. Wasn't he mentioned? He wasn't at all, I don't oh, think. Not I, even I, a look, footnote. Listeners, I'll be happy to be wrong if you go back to that letter and search for his name, but I don't think Simon even got a mention oh, in that. Rough. Yeah, it was very rough indeed. Anyway, in this meeting, we also heard from Mark Hawthorne. Now, he's been liaising with the club on behalf of Hawks for Change for the past few weeks. Now, You might know him from the Batmobile. Yeah, he told a story about where this all sort of began. It's got some strange beginnings with the the purchase of the 1991 grand final Batmobile. It kind of inspired the campaign in a weird way because it brought together a bunch of Hawks fans and some were known to each other, some were complete strangers who all all wanted a bit of a stake in this car. Uh, They brought their communication to WhatsApp and the more they communicated the more they found a like-mindedness with being somewhat disenchanted about where the club was at and where it might be going. And that's kind of where the swell of things began. Um, what I, The way I think of things is, and this might be seen as somewhat critical of Hawks for Change, so your eyebrows went up, didn't they? Yeah, I thought you were heavily in their camp. Uh, well, I mean, I can think for myself. Not everything's absolute. I'm not going to say they're absolutely right or... Jeff is absolutely evil or anything like that. <laughs> you know. Are you forecasting the comment that Mark Hawthorne made here? I, inadvertently, I guess I am. Maybe I can't think for myself. Oh, dear. <laughs> Mark Hawthorne said, this is not a group telling people what to think. This is a group of Hawthorne members who feel we're not being heard. So really... So like we said earlier, if they can break, it, break up the current structure to make it easier for Hawthorne members to have control over the club in future, fantastic. I, it's something we mentioned off mic. You, you put it down to two words, people power. Am I about that? Yes, I am. That is the thing that, that's drawing me in here. But if there's one thing I will say that, again, might be construed as maybe a bit critical of the campaign, I just I don't think they really had to do too much. I think Jeff Kennedy himself has stirred so much anti-Jeff sentiment and uh, this campaign organised all of that noise. And they've done it quite efficiently, and clearly they've done it well enough because he seems to be stepping away and, sooner than he anticipated. And without a uh, a list of tasks they seek to achieve. Yeah, all this. That's the other thing I'm a little concerned about. There's, let's put it kindly, there's a big ceiling on what this campaign could do. Uh, I'd like to hear a bit more in detail about what they would like to accomplish, what, you know, their man is Ian Silk. Uh, we got a bit of a taste of it last night in the meeting about what he'd like to do. Uh, more of that, please. I need a bit more detail. Uh, they've got me listening. They've got a lot of people listening, Tiz. They've done very well for themselves. But uh, there's still some more to accomplish here ahead of the AGM. I, I think they need to they need to run a, a fiercer campaign. Anyway, are we done with that now? Yeah, I think we are. Uh, the, the future of Hawks for Change is a bit curious because, as I said, they've, you know... They've kind of, in a sense, got their way. They seem to have manoeuvred things quite nicely. So what is the future of this group, this this group of supporters? Well, uh, I think Mark Hawthorne left it at, it's time for us to trust in the process and listen to what the club's saying and just watch what happens. Until, of course, I, I, this is implied, until, of course, it's time to vote, which you will be able to. 
But here's the thing, Tiz. Long-time listeners of this podcast might have been able to infer that, certainly more than me at the very least, you've been a bit pro-Jeff. Would that be fair to say? Or is that, In is his that time at Hawthorne, or it's more anti, anti-AFL House and pro-Jeff taking yeah. on AFL House. Yes, yes. You, you very having much... Hawthorne as independent. Yes. And that yeah. being a, a massive talisman on Jeffrey's mm-hmm. uh, aggressive posturing. Um, <laughs> yes, you, you have been notably for that. Now, the fact that he, you know, seems to be reactionary and, and Hawthorne, um, although still in a good financial position, uh, you know, are, are falling. They're mm. not climbing. They've been going down under his leadership and he was brought in as an emergency position. And, so I'm not and st- I, I thought he should have found his successor already, but we've heard there's extenuating circumstances. So I think... Change is needed. Can I, can I just put you up there though? Um, he did say on SEN that Hawthorne's never been in better shape. So yeah, well, uh, sorry about that. I, mean, I guess is, you're wrong. He is talking to Kane. <laughs> so you do. You have to have a bit of bluff, though, don't you? Like if yeah. he's talking comparatively to other clubs in the league, perhaps we are better off than way, most clubs. I suppose. Been. I suppose the context in which I took that remark was there has been a pandemic and Hawthorne's in still relatively fine shape. I don't think that can be underestimated. You can't say we're the best we've been. Bruce no, no, did that. that. Yeah, but that was Bruce yeah. did that, and that was 2015, Jeff. And get with the program. Yeah, look, Kenneth's putting a little bit of mayo on that. We we can't possibly be the best that we've ever been. That's ridiculous. But, but uh, yeah, you know, take, if if it's just a movement to silence Jeff, or you know, I don't, yeah, I've got no interest. But if they're actually going to change the structure of the club and make it more democratic, and we get. Uh, better purchase on who's leading and who's on the board and all these vague little committees that step in from time to time. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm totally in favour for that. And, and transparency the is the most important aspect. And what I'd really like is some invigoration of how we go about our communications with members and mm-hmm. and uh, engagement and, and all that kind of stuff. Because you've got to, if you can't be going out and meeting, which we don't think you will be, we won't mm. have another family day. Right, no, probably and not, we'll no. be distanced from the players for the rest of the year. How are we going to bridge that gap? Yeah. And they don't think about that. And yeah. also, the other thing that's coming is even if we do move to the Kennedy Centre, we're going to have an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. People won't be living near the club. Yeah. There'll be new people living near the club. What's Glenn Ferry doing? Yeah, There's a lot of stuff there that just doesn't make it to the top of these... And they're big issues. Like, well, uh, it is. It's almost like if you're going to run for the board, you should probably have something to say about these issues. Yeah, but the board haven't said anything on the mind, Nick. So they, you know, as long as you don't well, say nothing, you don't say nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. There's some truth in that, but that's why that kind of transparency becomes important, and that engagement with members becomes important. Can you imagine reading the minutes for the nomination committee? Nah, I don't like them. Oh, never got along with them. Wood couldn't sit in a bar with them. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't believe the transparency is going to be there. So, well, it will just be a hurdle to uh, having the club go beyond what we want it to be. Well, there's still, of course, plenty to play out. It's a surprisingly busy off-season for Hawthorne now. I mean, we've got the draft, of course. Uh, we've also got the launch of the AFLW Academy. We have an academy. We have an academy. We've been wanting an academy for years. Yep. The Father-Son Academy never happened. But now we've got an AFLW Academy, and it's the first academy. And mm-hmm. maybe the first of many, Nick. 
A list of 50 players set to participate in a program incorporating sessions of skill development, player mentoring, and education. The club's GM of operations and major projects, Josh Vandaloo, follows us on Twitter, so good day, Josh, uh, said, we want to build a competitive and talented list of players, and it all starts with our AFLW Academy, as well as giving these women the opportunity to develop and hone their skills. It'll also give our recruiting team a closer look at these prospective talents. And he also went on to add, this is a really exciting stepping stone for the club as we continue to progress towards our move into the AFLW landscape next year. I'm looking forward to that, Nick. Same here. Absolutely excited for that. And uh, what a move. I mean, you're basically identifying the best talent on your doorstep. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) We can't do much better than that. Uh, So we'll wait to see. The the list of the 50 players is up on the Hawthorne website. Uh, So... Keep an eye out. Watch this space. Obviously, you and I don't know much about them at this stage, but this could be the start of some very exciting journeys. Geez, we're really expanding, aren't we? It's a lot going on. You've got the AFLW team now, of course. We've got associations with the netball team. We've got the wheelchair team, the blind team. Basketball. But yes, there's still South Melbourne Phoenix Association yeah, there, something we, like I, that. Every now and again, I get an email about that, yep. You're going to need the Kennedy Community Centre at this point. Yeah, well, that's an expansion. <laughs> then we've still got Waverley and we've got Glen Ferry. It's a big bloody club, isn't Tassie. it? Tassie. Tassie, of course. That's the other thing, another issue. You've got to start talking about that stuff. If you want my vote, if you want people's votes, got to start talking about this stuff. Well, and the the other thing is I'd like to see the fixture so we can book our trips. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. We were discussing this the other day. Is it going to be Adelaide, do you think? Or, Well, I nearly bought that $29 flight to Uluru for us both. Oh, yeah? Uh, what? <laughs> until I saw the return ticket. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> About 10 times the cost oh, of getting there. So uh, I bought one return for me, and I thought I'd let you work your own way home. Hitchhike my way back. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen any films about that going wrong, so that should be fine. <laughs> Anyway, that's exciting about the AFLW Academy. We expect to hear more news as that rolls out. Uh, it's a good time to move into miscellaneous listener questions. Yeah, these are tough. Some of them are. Yeah. This one, I think we'll start off with a tough one from Susie. Uh, who's going to be named as the captain for the 2022 season? Am I wrong in simply assuming that it just rolls over with McAvoy again? They're not going to change, are they? for the easy answer. That was my answer. Right, so we're allowed to think the same. Okay. All right. Well, uh, if you've said that, I will say... <laughs> You don't need to disagree with me. Uh, whoever wears the number nine. Oh, hello. Well, I've said it's going to be John Newcomb. Oh, so yeah, pro- that's so not going to happen. That yeah. rolls that out. He's not going to be captain. Unless... No, he's not. No, I wouldn't be surprised if Sammy brought in a captain under his own wing. Or Yeah, you've said, you said that last time this came up. You're like, it's not unheard of. For the changing of the guard, you can also have a different captain too. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Who would you like to see? Uh, I still... Sicily? Yeah, I was going to say Sicily. Mm. Yeah, and still don't mind O'Meara. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with Gunston, hey? If he can get back on the park regularly. Yeah, well, it's a bit dicey for him. But, uh, he, you know, he's, I, he puts enough pressure on himself already, Gunners. I don't mind big boy Ben McAvoy. I mean, I feel like us at times, as well as the supporter, supporter base at large. Oh, he's that, hugely respected amongst the playing group, and but, he but, seems to bridge the gap between the youngs and the olds. But my point is, that, you know, a little bit of criticism came Ruffy's way, or at least, you know, why the timing of that? The bloke's just recovered from cancer. You really need the captaincy? Yeah, well, and, and this then, was always a feeling I had, that Clarko never picked great captains. Well, Stratton came in criticism as well. Now he's coach, Sammy. So. <laughs> 
I'm so excited for Sammy. Not gonna lie, because the other the other night I rewatched his uh, address, one of his first addresses to the uh, Box Hill players. Yeah, was that when you were making up the uh, sitcom video? Was it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did a, did a bit of a Full House parody, listeners. If you want to look that up on our social media channels, putting that on Netflix, that'll get on Amazon, mate. That's <laughs> Prime. That's prime viewing that. Uh, from Jeff Kennett to Jeff Bezos, moving up in the world. Um, you know, he could solve a lot of the world's problems. He, but, but, did you see what happened when his girlfriend met, met Leonardo DiCaprio? No. How is this? Oh, shit. How is this at all relevant? I don't know. We're just waxing. And, <laughs> and she was so delighted to meet a Hollywood star. Yeah, you would be too. And he's like, I'm the richest man in the world. What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, but he, he he could be a rich man in character too, Tiz. And that's what really counts. Still playing second fiddle. He probably owns a third and fourth, the amount of money he has. <laughs> anyway, I'm fine with Big Boy being captain. I expect that to roll over again. Uh, this question from Scamasaurus. Who are the two starters on the wing? He's given us a selection here. Day, Bramble, CJ, Howe, Phillips, Downey, Shields or Saunders? Uh, I'm just going to refer to my best 22 for round one next year. I had Day and Impy on the wing. Uh, yeah, I think, well, I would hope to see Day there, but he's, uh, I don't really know the other wingman. I think Phillips will probably retain his position for a while. Yeah, he could be on the cusp, I reckon. It's With a fully fit team, it starts getting a bit hard. The, you know, me putting Day on the wing, I'm happy for him to be there, but he could easily be on half back, and then you have an issue of... You're yeah, overstocked if, with halfbacks. And, and yeah, if, you, if you're putting Day in the back line, then you get into Aiden's question, does Kyle Hardigan fit in the team with Sicily and the rest of our defenders coming back? So you've got to move someone forward to yeah. make room for Sicily to come in and play Hardigan and Frost. That's right, yeah, yeah, which is why Day en- ends up in the wing for mine. As for Aiden's question about Kyle Hardigan, he's, he was one of the easiest for me to put in the team. He's, he's an easy starter for mine, and I'm probably a bit concerned if he... Gets suspended again, <laughs> or if he gets injured, uh, I find he's really hard to replace in this side. So, yes, I think Sicily and Kyle Artigan do fit in the same side, and we work around both of those guys. And this is a very good question, actually, about the Box Hill players. Like, if a Ducci and Green get picked up by different AFL clubs, which Box Hill player would you want the most, asks Aiden? Well, I had a, a question from a different Aiden there. Um, that's a good question because it really is Aducci and Green are tipped to be on the radar and certainly I think you and I are both interested to see them on the senior list. So that's have a good think. I mean, Mercedes was the club champion, I believe. Yeah. So he's automatically in calculations there. He's, he's amazing. Uh, Hugh Beasley, following mm-hmm. on from the question before with Kyle Hardigan, thinking who's a guy who can play fullback? Get Look, Beasley. To me, it's, it's Fergus Green and then Aducci. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the question probably is... Probably no one else. Oh, probably no... Okay, well, fair well, enough. Well, not at this stage. I mean, Ed Phillips has already been listed at St Kilda. Yeah. No, he played reasonably consistently for us, but didn't wow me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... that. Beyond, I, we really want Fergus, don't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, and Aiden's picked up on this. It, you know, a bo- uh, beyond Aducci and Green, it starts getting a bit tricky. Cause yeah, like, and who, else also, do, who else do I want? And also, I, I'd, I'd probably just fling a chance at some kid that hasn't played any footy in two years that looked really good a couple of years ago. True. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yep. Um, it's, it's probably risk-reward there. This next question from Numo. Thoughts on having long sleeve Guernsey's back? Gee, I held on to this little tidbit for a while. This little whisper. 
this tip that we got, I thought, when can I drop it? Yeah, it's a bit of, it's nothing fluff piece of news, but I thought it'd be funny. Uh, do you see many of the boys possibly wearing a long sleeve Guernsey next year? Odds of Chad wearing one is $1.01. One really? This is the thing? Like, who cares? <laughs> it's a new era. No, no longer new under era. Clarko's reign. No, new era, long sleeve Guernseys. Let's get excited. Yeah, well, I didn't say it was big news. Perhaps this was Andy Gower's major platform because <laughs> he, he loved the long sleeves. Well, you've got a mug right beside you of a bloke that loves long sleeves. Yeah, well, uh, Michael Tuck wearing the 17 on his back. That's right. It's a magnificent uh, coffee mug you've what got was there. The, what was the drought between 91 and 2008, Chief? 17. He wasn't happy. They bumped him. And then we had to do it without the long sleeves. Did this just turn into the bounce? We got a bit... All up in numbers there for a sec. Don't liken me to Cam Mooney. Thank you very much. Numerology segment. That's terrible. Well, no, you, you make a great point, Tiz. Much like Cam Mooney uh, uh, just before the halftime siren in 2008. <laughs> great point. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> uh, anyway, look, I, look it's, it's a nothing little bit of a whisper news item, the, the long sleeves thing. I don't. I don't care either way. I just I just care that they win. I don't care how they look. Yeah, who's the softest one in the team? I'll wear them first. Now. <laughs> the one and only Dancing Bear uh, has a question here. What do you guys think is a pass mark for Sam Mitchell in 2022? What does good look like? Does eight wins do it or is more required? Oh, I think eight would be pretty good. I think we managed seven this year so technically eight would be an improvement the very slightest way possible but uh just try not to go backwards i guess uh a win would be the team playing to his style yeah consistently yeah um and that doesn't mean for a whole game that means at the start of each game perhaps until they're found out by the opposition or mm. but just so you can see a development in the way they want to move the ball whether that translates to wins or not will generally happen either at the very beginning when no one knows how they're going to play yeah. or by the end of the year when they actually get it working. And you've highlighted the point here. I think to judge this debut year of Mitchell's, you've got to look at, you've got to look at what Hawthorne are doing with a more analytical eye. Maybe some, well, I, maybe some Part of me is like, if they get to an emotional game where we're playing Essendon or Collingwood or someone's looking like they're going really well and we can snag a win, yeah, double points. <laughs> double points. Yeah, double. That's two wins right there. Okay, no, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's worth its weight in gold. is yeah. what you're saying. But uh, I I think it's um it's it's going to be more than the wins and losses. He's gonna be, just on the face gonna, value of it, he's going to have to take matches and try things. He's going to have to. That's what I mean. Come he, up he, against Gold Coast and be like, all right, we're going to try it this way, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll probably do it for a half, and we're eighty points down at half time, right? Yeah. But I agree. But what I'm saying is that Hawthorne supporters should should judge this debut year in a more analytical way rather than just like, oh, we got smashed this week. Well, what happened? Yeah. Fortunately, you boys, the Hawk Talk podcast, will talk you through what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I doing ads for our own show on our show? Yeah, already here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Brothers, 81. If Jordan DeGoey is ultimately sacked by Collingwood, would you endorse a play for him? Ugh. No. Categorically, no. Because culture is one of the intangibles of a football club and mm -hmm. you don't mess with it. And uh, there is absolutely no denying that the ego on Jordan is something that cannot be negotiated with. Why would we roll the dice on something like this after everything with John Patton? Success. Ugh, nah. You want success, don't nah, you? Nah, nah. 
not not like this. I don't want whatever him. it takes. <laughs> yeah, well, we know how that went. Yeah, whatever they took. All right, <laughs> and now everyone's jabbing themselves. So, oh, don't. <laughs> Uh, look, we've got a couple of questions here that probably should just serve as teasers for future episodes. I'm not going to get to them right now because we're going to do big episodes on them. This first one from Callum. Aside from Finn Callahan, who would you most like to see us select with our first draft pick? Well, as we're recording right now, we're about a fortnight out from the draft. We'll, we'll be back next week to do a big draft preview. Did you say Hugh Greenwood? That's a really good idea. <laughs> he is, well, he's been delisted by the Suns. They have recommitted to taking him. Doesn't mean we can't sneak in. I wonder if Joel Smith's listening. I wonder how he got to Hawthorne. I I will remind you, Callum has pointed out this is our first draft pick. Yeah, I know. Hugh Greenwood at number five. (laughs) Could you imagine the hysteria? And this next question from Isabel to finish off. uh, What was the best moment of 2021? Well, we'll save that for our big big finale for season 2021. Okay. Recap everything. Our favourite moments. Least favourite. Um... All sorts of stuff we like to say for the end of the year. Just a big wrap of everything that's happened. So uh, we'll, we'll tackle that question then. And now we have an update on Dingley. Yeah, that's right. Uh, by way of an Apple Podcasts review that one of our listeners left. Uh, now, if you have enjoyed this episode, you can probably help us out if you like with a tiny favor. Just jump on Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show. Uh, spread the word. Basically attract other Hawthorne fans to our show. Uh, that's exactly what one of our listeners, Brett, has done with this five-star review. And yes, it is an update on Dingley. Hey, boys, love the pod. Update on Dingley. I drove in there the other day and it looks like soil is being moved as we speak. Excellent. You know, what they, you know what they call that, Tiz? Groundbreaking. I thought they'd call that a sod update. Groundbreaking. Moving soil. Jeez, we're a bit rusty. A little bit. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for that. It is an update. So it's more than what we knew because the club hasn't been too good on the comms. I told you, you got to get the cameras up. We'll watch it. <laughs> that's right. And thank you for the five-star review as well. Uh, that's amazing work. So cheers for that. You can follow us on Twitter too, listeners, at HawkTalkPod. That's basically our social media HQ. So it's where you want to head. Get on there and join the community there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. We're also on Instagram. We have some merch on Redbubble, some new merch. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, Patreon, of course, is a place you want to want to head if you really want to get on board with us and support the content we create we're going to hit record on our silk celebration special next week when you finish the book when i finish the book we'll include our thoughts on silk book (laughs) uh so that's going to be some great bonus content for our subscribers to give that a listen and to enjoy all sorts of other bonus content check out patreon.com slash hawk talk pod and that's also the best place to submit your fan fiction for the hawk talk pod sitcom Oh, right. So, yeah, they, they, they really should uh, greenlight it at this point. I feel like I did my bit. I gave them the intro. I don't know how you found so many cheesy moments, but I, I, do you know which one's the best? The Sam Mitchell one's clearly the best. No, Jager and Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Well, that gets me. So, so what on is, earth were they doing? So this is the thing. It turns out that the run of KFC ads was an absolute gift. Oh, that's what it was from? Yeah. <laughs> So the Ben McAvoy thing was from. Yeah, James I know, Sicily, I know they're from. Jager, you know, Jarman Impey just missed the cut. Him singing in the shower would have been ideal for the intro. With Hannah's. Well, I can't include him now. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah no. Good night to finish on, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we do Candyman or? Uh, yes. No. No, you have to do it. No, it's going to be bonus content at this point. Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. He's right. not even at the club anymore. We missed our, missed the boat. You can't do a Ollie Hanrahan tune. Hanrahan can. That's right. See, you've already got into the spirit of things. <laughs> we'll do it for the Patreon subscribers. How about that? Yeah, keep it. Keep it veiled. Well, we don't like keeping things veiled at Hawthorne anymore. This is the new era. Oh, let in the light. That's right. This is transparency and democracy. Yeah. Is this when we go out to Age of Aquarius? Well, it is now. <laughs> That'll be it for the Hawthorne podcast for another week. Isn't this just full of good ideas that make my editing job an absolute breeze? We will be back next week with a full preview of the National Draft. So keep an eye out for that. Till then, we are a happy team at Hawthorne.